listening to Chugga Talk with Ryan Murphy, a podcast by Pull Across Made Simple. Mark your calendars, folks. The American High Goal 2022 is happening this coming May 11th through 15th in Mobile, Alabama at the grounds. The American Polar Cross Association is excited to bring a, a high goal event to U.S. soil for the very first time. America's best players, along with some top international players, will be battling it out for a tremendous spectacle. Stay tuned for ways you can get involved as a sponsor or a volunteer for the event. Again, that's the American High Goal 2022, May 11th through 15th in Mobile, Alabama at the grounds. I'll see you there. On this episode of Chuck the Talk, you'll meet Jim Grills, Matt Davison, and Father Rusty Davison. They discuss the lead up to their win at the Queensland State title. Find out what happened between their loss in the Rose Bowl and their win at Wandoan. And pick up some key pointers on what makes a successful team. Here on Chugga Talk, the goal is to shrink the pole across the world by connecting people together, and most importantly, to provide education by interviewing players from all over the world. So listen closely and enjoy. Thanks for being on. We've got the Davos, Matt and Russell. I assume Russell is your father? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. What's your nickname? Because you Aussies always short number. Yeah, that's right. They call me Rusty. Rusty, okay. Okay. Then they take a short name like Matt and they, they call him Matto. Brett Pryor, they call him Bretto. Take a long name, make it short, short name, make it long. And we've got Jimmy Grills on here. We're going to talk about the lead up to the Queensland State Championships that happened September 6th weekend at Wandoan. We're going to talk about the journey to get there. The end result was that you're champions there and you, you were champions throughout. So we're going to kind of learn about that whole experience and, and being up there. Let's kind of start with Matt. Are you from Queensland? Yeah, yeah, correct. Born in Queensland. Played all my junior polycross uh, right through to intermediates up here. And then, yeah, moved to the dark side for my men's competition. And um, so are you stuck up there or are you just up there temporarily? So I live up here now. Back, Mum and dad's been here for two years now. Grills is before that for the, yeah, six years before that. Work okay. down there and with those guys, so. So who's breaking all these horses with you, Jimmy? Hopefully the border's open so we get the big dog down. But um, we're having a bit of trouble with that at the moment. Matt might have that as a good excuse, right? But it seems like how many breakers? I saw the video of them all coming in from the paddock. How many do you have to break? Yeah, I think with ours and Davos and a few of my extras, I think we've got 20 to do over the sort of 10, 12 days. How many do you have down there, Davo? Yeah, so... Over the six years that I worked for, for Charlie and Sarah, Sarah sort of started my own breeding program for me. And I think I've nearly got more horses. Well, I definitely got more horses per acre than what Charlie and Sarah do now. Um, I think I've got five to break in this year. And yeah, Charlie and Sarah have got the rest. So, All right. That's cool. And just a little bit more about your background. Russ, tell me tell me where you come into play. Are you like a fifth generation polo cross player or did you play polo cross before? Matter? Uh, yeah, I certainly did. Uh, my mum and dad played polo cross. Obviously, um, yeah, I followed up and have um, have kept the, the tradition in our family going, so I still play. I played in the Masters comp. I normally play against um, Charlie. Um, you? Still in my playing at I'm um, 55 and, yeah, still going at the stage. When you go up against him, Charlie, what typically happens? Uh, is there any 
yelling that goes on or who, who beats who? There's normally a little bit of sledging, but Charlie is up on one. He um, he busted me at, uh, at Warwick a few years ago, but probably the good part about it was um, Sarah giving him a fair turn over it. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I probably got to win at the end of the day anyway. That's cool. That's cool. Let's get into uh, sort of what happened when you uh, ended up you were in, you were planning you went to Queensland. So let's let's like start at the beginning. What were the original plans for that trip? It just sort of eventuated. I was actually I was in a knee brace and just had surgery, so I was on the couch watching Netflix. And then these guys went they went to work the horses down the down the valley and they were mustering cows instead of going around the hill. So there was a bit more chat going on. And then the topic got brought up. Oh, if we're getting shut down here, we might as well head to Queensland and play a few weekends. And then. Lucy and Katie got back and then they asked me and I said well I'm on the couch so it doesn't worry me I'll I'll tag along and then it sort of it was sort of a joke at the start and then yeah and then by the time we got back and one said yes and then the next one said yes and then about two days later we're in Queensland watching Davo play in the mixed final against it chinchilla <laughs> hung over <laughs> how far is the trip up there uh, I think chinchilla was about 14 hours from from home and then so we we were going to try and get there on the first day and Dave I was going to supply the girls and Marty boy with um, horses so they could play the first weekend but we were only decided to come on the Thursday so by the time we got the truck going on Friday we were going to be too late so we just rolled in Saturday night and watched that first weekend and then um, we decided we were going to be up there for as, as long as whatever the lockdowns and stuff was and then we had to come back for our zones but then they got cancelled so then we obviously made a plan to try and stay up for the state titles where we got rolled a few years ago. So everyone was pretty keen to try and get one back on, get one back on the cup, get our names on the cup, really. This has been a couple of years in the making. You had that itch that you had to scratch. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And where was the home base when you were up there? Because obviously you had to go home somewhere in the, during the weekend. Yeah, we were with Matt and Rusty pretty much. The whole time, yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. How many horses did you guys take in and did you have the space? We took 11 on the truck originally and then we sent two. We Halfway through, Sarah and Charlie brought some up to the border and Dave went across and got them in the bubble and um, brought them back, brought three more up just to just to load up our horsepower for the end with a few more older ones. I think they brought percussion, truth and favour up and we sent a couple of young ones back, Flame and Lorna. Yeah, and then Davo's got about 11 on his truck when we go over each weekend and then a paddock full of them at home as well. Okay, all your horses were up there, right, because you've been home for a while. Okay, so you had yours and then you combine it with Aubrey's horses down there. So you yeah. had quite a big string when it came all together, right? Yeah, easily 22 in, in work that, that went every weekend while these guys are up here. Yeah, obviously, I break in some outside horses as well, so we're, we're doing them during the week, and 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 then they just go in the paddock on the weekends, and, and we take the polycross horses away. But, I mean, once you've got 11 horses in work, what's 22, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure, you know how to – you guys know how to operate, like, uh, cattle. Next. Seems like yeah. that some days. <laughs> so you get up there. Uh, Jimmy, are you still laid up? That So that first weekend, you're just drinking at the bar. Watching him play, your knees still yeah. in a brace. Yep, still in a brace the first week. I think I had a week, two weeks to go on me brace when I first got there, 
And yeah, we just, everyone was a bit happy. <laughs> the whole truck, I think the whole truck that wasn't playing ended up in a bad way on Sunday. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was good. It was good to get up. And the competition up there the first weekend, like nearly everyone was at full strength in the club side. You had Warwick and Tansy playing the final and that was that was a good game to watch. And then you had you had all your Gold Coast, you had Chinchilla, Tara, Tara a bit strong, but we sort of stole balls off them and, Matt Johnson hurt his knee, so they sort of went more women's after that. Um, but yeah, that first weekend, it was good to actually just get there and have a look at everyone, and then and then yeah, start to make our team up as we went along because we ended up having I think nine players, Dave, up there from Albury. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you technically stole a couple. <laughs> so how did that? Yeah, go down? well, I'd, I'd say they stole them on pass, and then we just pulled them back. <laughs> so who are you playing with? Uh, what's your home club there? Uh, Devo. So obviously, when I when I came back to Queensland in in Australia, we consist a club with another club, but Albury was still our main club. So that's probably what Jimmy means by that. Boz decided to play with Tara, and I joined Rusty's forces with Gold Coast. And um, so while we're in Queensland, we play with those clubs, and then when when Albury reunites, we go back to them. So it works well for both ways. But um, yeah, Gold Coast is my club when I'm in Queensland. So. I played at the Gold Coast Carnival for work. Uh, don't I'm really old, so this is like 2000 and yeah, 2000. <laughs> played for work at Gold Coast. Told this story before, but we were in C grade. We we did really well, but our host said that we weren't that good, and so we played down and we killed them, and we were getting a lot of flack for beating up on the on the kids. But it wasn't <laughs> our fault. It wasn't our fault. It's a little bit like Rust. We'd sit there and because I'm selected for Auburn, he's selected for Gold Coast. We'd sit there on the Tuesday and I had me nine players to pick from and Rusty starts to roll in with his 47 players or something and trying to pick nine teams. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Rusty's the club captain at Gold Coast. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a pretty big job for the Gold Coast. We have three selectors, obviously, and yeah, that's what Jim and I would argue. He'd get his team sorted fairly quickly, and ours was yeah, like most weekends was between forty-two to forty-eight players to to put together. Okay, so nine down, nine from from you, um, including Davo. So how did you pick that first your first game, uh, the first weekend at Tarum? Is that the first weekend altogether? Yeah, so I was still on a in a brace and um, Boz played that weekend. Rupert Steer, a guy that's been working here, um, or you got his first crack at A grade. He's he's graded a three point five, but he's probably he's going a fair bit better than that now. And um, yeah, he got to play his first weekend A grade. He played between Lucy and Boz, and then we just had Katie, Marty, Davo, first chucker, and then yeah, Lucy, Rupert, Boz for that two-room weekend. Must have changed a lot throughout. The, the time those uh, six carnivals right the first two were multi-horse so that's where we got to use a lot of horses and then when Rupert went out the second weekend and Boz was away work and so then I think me and Gemma came in that week yeah um, correct yeah, yeah. during Bambi yeah and then I came in and played three behind Lucy for that weekend and Gemma played and then I think we started to get a look at our first team our first real, all six of us at Tara. I reckon that was the third weekend. Yeah, yeah, correct. So Byron had never really played for Albury before. So yeah, obviously he he followed in my footsteps a little bit. He did his did his farrier's apprenticeship up here with the same bloke that I did mine with. Once he finished his time, he said, "I've had enough of Queensland as well," and decided to come down to Berrigan for twelve months. And he worked for me and um, and also Charlie and Sarah. 
yeah, obviously fell in love with it down there. And then he played a zones in the mix for Southwest Slopes. I think that's as much as he's played for New South Wales, but he's just been had his name down to go, hopefully get picked for Ballarat in a team for New South Wales now. So, yeah, he's pretty pumped with that. So how much younger is he than you? Uh, two years. Yeah. How does his personality differ from yours? How I'll let Jim explain his personalities. Um, <laughs> there's this basketballer dude that, that Jim knows. What's his name, Jim? Yeah, off the last dance, we just call him Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> He's got curly yeah. hair. Yeah. yeah. Curly hair, goes partying for three days and possibly could marry himself, the big fella. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a brumby sometimes. He can be a little bit off the bit. <laughs> Not good for a young bloke to look up to because you're like, don't try and be like Boz because <laughs> you just never know when he's going to get to bed or if he's going to turn up 10 minutes before our game, but he always seems to get there. Sometimes greatness comes in different packages become a great player. So so I'm sure that you guys had a big influence on him. Jimmy's such a, a, a coach and a professor when it comes to polo cross. What kind of things did you have to talk to him about when, you, when he was playing, especially uh, in those big games? No, nah, not too much. Oh, Boz, Boz are just like, <laughs> we really just reverted it back to how the Bulls handled Rodman. You sort of just, you let him go. Like, <laughs> if he wants to party and he turns up and he's playing well, there's not much you need to change if old Bozzy just, sometimes you tell him to catch the ball or do something little, a little bit like that, and he generally gets it done for you. So tell me about Marty O'Sullivan. How old's Marty? <laughs> Marty? Marty's 16. He reminded me, he says to me, we're going back down from the house last night. He says, Jim, what are we doing on Tuesday? I said, oh, mate, I don't know. Why, why, why'd you pick Tuesday? <laughs> he goes, oh, it's my birthday. <laughs> said, oh, I guess we'll be doing something then. But no, nah, he's been good. Dave actually brought him down in January. No, it was... Boxing Day actually brought him down and um, Beanie since then and yeah just 16 young fella he's been in and out of the A grade all year and his attitude's been always good and he he always tries his hardest and he really he stepped up up there he played with Dave a bit more than he played with me so how do you reckon he went Dave? Well obviously being from Queensland we sort of saw him grow up he's only a little kid and for him to play in the team that he has and and win a cup is pretty impressive. I mean, probably just shows that the structure that Jim's got everyone sort of playing under and, and the horsepower Charlie and Sarah can provide, yeah, young fellas like that can can lift a lot of levels pretty quickly, eh? I can imagine that you're all getting a bunch of rides on different different horses, so everyone's getting to play a lot of different horses. So does that sort of help you obviously become a better rider but step up to that level? Obviously, playing on top horses, you're going at a – you know, quicker speed and everything like that. So your racket skills sort of have to catch up. Is it kind of like where he learned just by all that experience that he got? Yeah, I think he had a lot of talent too. Like he he started with a lot of talent, but there's just and there's still areas that he'll he'll brush up on. But yeah, he just he's he's been he's been a one most of his career, and then he got a played a bit of three in the B grade before he, we went up there, and then. It was more about just sort of changing his role to whether we needed to get the ball to Boz in the lineup or you need to try and drag it down, but then just either clear sticks and be second out and just simple stuff for that. And um, the more simple it was, then he just found when he found a few balls, those young fellas, when they find a few, they tend up finding a few more and then, yeah, they just grow. So just keeping them pumped up. And that was sort of one of the things we tried to change from Warwick was 
getting getting Marty Boy pumped up and all those guys after how how it went down at Warwick and they they did that for us at Wandaan. And can we bring in the uh, Duran Bandy thing, Jim? They had a one-on-one comp there, Ryan, and uh, gave Marty plenty of uh, confidence as well because he went through and and won it and beat his big brother Darcy and and a couple other chinchilla. That's his home club, obviously, when he's at home. So yeah, so that was a pretty big buzz watching him win that. Tell me about how that how that goes. Uh, the one-on-one, basically, they um, there's two players on the field. Um, and it's the first to score the first two go- or best out of three. Um, and the umpire basically throws it in. You've got a shot clock that you've only got, um, was it 40 seconds, Jim, to score your goal? Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then you were just, if you were just knocked out straight away and then they just kept moving along until you got through to the final. So, so Marty got to win that, um, obviously, um, against Lindsay Durlin in the final and she was a chinchilla girl. So that was his old club that he used to play for here. So he was uh, on cloud nine after winning that, I think. So that's half court polo cross, right? Pretty much like basketball, but half court, you start the clock at midfield. Um, no, we used uh-huh. the full field. So basically, oh, okay. um, yeah, yep. Still threw it in, flipped a coin, which way you'd go. And, and then in just normal rules, I had to bounce it into the area. And then once I got into the area, they only had 10 seconds to strike once you're in the area. Um, and then yep and then obviously went back and and just threw it in again until you got your three what was he doing that i mean strategically is there a strategy for that full on he rode the man that lucy um that lucy played in the world cup and i think well, she was just super quick back to the ball. So obviously one-on-one, there's no one following you. If, if if you can spoil them and then get your horse back to it quicker than them, yeah, he was just yeah, he was just on fire that day. So what did he do to get that horse? Oh, probably pulled a fair few bell boots on, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> he had to put in his time to get that, that privilege. Yeah, 100%. Let's talk about... Work. We have to talk about sort of the, what happened in that last chukka, or just at the very least, kind of talk about how you felt w- while that was happening, and then what adjustments you made for the next two weeks to get ready for the the champs. So, so what was going on in that game? The game played out perfectly how we wanted to for five chuckers. Like to be up by seven going into the last, we we nearly had the bandages off back in the stable, but um, we we kept them on and. Just you do have those days, and there's three good men against Lucy. Obviously, Trent's a big, strong man in the front of the lineup. Tom O'Neill's a world class too, and Hayes had played men's for years, and is a very strong three. And Porsche's a strong lineup man out the back, and yeah, they just got a good run on. But what we sort of talked about was how well that chucker they sort of carried our chucker through at Cunningham, and then we obviously went home because we weren't happy with sort of how our chucker performed for the team at Cunningham and got ourselves set up at Warwick to really do a job. And yeah, we just talked about making sure we, we didn't get ahead of ourselves again and make sure we turn up the next couple of weeks and really put the work in and we'll, we'll change a few horses around mainly just so we're stronger through the lineup and then set up where we wanted the ball to go. I think Dave will elaborate on it, but they just dictated where the ball went for that whole chucker and we couldn't get our hands on it early enough. Yeah, well, to throw, what was it, seven or eight, one in six minutes, obviously there was a lot of goals scored quickly. We, did, we didn't have to score a lot. We were seven up. They just had to 
had to be harder to, to win one or two balls. Like you just can't let can't let them run on that quickly. That was probably the biggest thing we spoke about. It nearly happened again at one down. I think we were four up going into the last and it got back to even, but they didn't let them run away with seven either. So that was a credit to those guys. For Lucy, I know she's a very strong woman's player, but to play against a man and then Marty match up on a big strong two like Tom O'Neill and, and Boz to run the chucker from the back. It was a yeah, it was a pretty good effort. They didn't get didn't get beaten by more really. But that's just a credit to how how the team plays like under that Aubrey banner, I suppose. I've I've never been a part of a team like it. New South Wales has sort of got a very good culture like that too. It doesn't matter who you've got, you just you back them in and and they've got to get the job done for you. So that was the only other thing we talked about when you when you seven up too was um we had Boz going for a few intercepts where we wanted to change that to just going back and making Trent take forty seconds to score each goal instead of nine and ten seconds for the first few. Mm. We talked about a fair bit. But that was only situation based and we said you're probably never not going to see that situation again, but it probably will come up in the next 10 years and then it probably ended up coming up in the next weekend again, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. So who else was advising you between these two weeks? Was it just kept him within the team? Because I did speak with Bruce and he said that he was in Lucy's ear a little bit. Did you talk to Bruce? Yeah, Lucy had a chat to Bruce and then he gave us a few ideas and... Um, Obviously, we were talking to Sarah and Charlie a fair bit, so there was a fair bit of back and forth. But the main thing was, oh, we had a few arguments, didn't we, Dave? We sat down at that at your round yard and went at it about who was right and what. And yeah, definitely, it wasn't all just guns and roses going in. There was a yeah fair share of what we should or shouldn't do. But yeah, I think we were unlucky at one down too. We we lost the setup of horses we had running into the weekend was was ideal for everyone. And in the first two games, it was like, geez, how good is this going to be? And then with the mare that I was on, Lucy's mare, she she got a hen- tendon hit and then Jim's mare sprained a fetlock and all of a sudden we were starting to think, geez, this weekend might be pretty tough to win now. But, yeah, somehow we yeah we found a way and, it, yeah, it was a sweet win. I, I know that. And sort of in the grand scheme of things, how many games had you lost in that run-up to and that whole and that weekend? Um, I think we lost to room to Warwick. By one goal, we lost that game by one goal, and then the Tansy game by one goal. That's it. Warwick. Yeah. How many, how many games you reckon that was that you won? It was four, four sixes, twenty-four. Yeah, six weeks of playing and four games a weekend. Mm. I think. Yeah. No, Warwick's three, so twenty-three. Yeah. Three games. Yeah. 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 So I mean, the consistency, the the top level play. I mean, it's that's that's hard to do. You said some horses had gone down. What adjustments did you make with the horses? Tell me about that. Well, obviously, um, we were going to stick with Puzzle as a main three-horse, but then on the Tuesday, her pelvis sort of went out and we couldn't we couldn't bring her up to play, which that's Davo's good mare. And then we wanted to, and then about two days later, drifting, Boz's good black mare went through a fence. So then we really just need to load up our back end, I thought, um, especially in the other chuck. Our plan was to get the ball to the back and, and we'd put Boz on my good chestnut mare, Scarlet, so he could um, sort of own the line up there and then win us a lot of ball. We set up our horses to win ball and then Davo got on Lucy's good black mare, Hallie. Our chucker had to be the underdone horses. I had the, my little fat floozy that had a few weeks off and then Hallie had been in and out all year. But, yeah, it was just mainly about how we won the ball, really. 
I think Katie stayed strong on percussion. She was the only were, only one that stayed on the same horse from the final at Warwick. And then we, we put Lucy over onto Beaches for the last weekend again, same as Cunningham. I think Lucy on Beaches turned into a proper proper men's player. What about you, Devo? Tell me about your horse flesh. It sounds like you had some challenges. Yeah, no, we, we would have been playing C grade if, if we didn't have a truckload of grills as well as here either because yeah, we had so much bad luck from Warwick to that that two weeks before one down. Yeah, it is a credit to those guys how many – and it shows how important it is to have – I know it's the king of the one-horse sport, but, yeah, unless you've got a couple, you can run yourself in some hot water pretty quickly. But, yeah, for Jim's mare to play, I think she won – Best horse at Cunningham. Then she got champion horse at Warwick playing one. For him to flip it to the back for Boz to, to win ball is was a yeah, massive credit to her. And then for Lucy to offer up her good black man that hadn't played much during the year for me to ride, yes. Yeah, pretty generous to those guys. And it's probably why well it just shows what what the team's about, I suppose, and, and why why they why we do win so much, I suppose. Yeah, you and you and Boz out the back were just dominating every time I got to see. But it seems like your horse, all the horses are versatile. Uh, you know, they're going from in different positions. They're able to play them all. Do you find that most some horses are better at one position, or are you mixing them around a lot? Probably a lot of my horses will be just set for the back because it's generally where I play. I, I yeah, very rarely get to bump up the front, even though it's, it, I don't mind it for a change of scenery. Jim's probably got the most versatile horses of, of all of us. Beaches, when she was young, I, I had a few games on her at the back, and, and now she's obviously a superstar one. But yeah, that the chestnut mare, Jim Scarlett, she's just she's on another level. She she can play one and three at the top at the top level, and yeah, and not look out of place one little bit. Let's talk about the ladies, obviously, Katie and Lucy. They've been playing with the men quite a bit leading up to this point. You know, how did they go during those? Lucy went to, yeah, like I think we spoke about earlier, on beaches just went to a whole nother level. Like, I mean, I suppose since Lucy's been a junior intermediate down south where we play, there is no women's comp, so she's always played against against the men. I think that's why she's so good. But, like, until these guys came up, you probably – I mean, she was still competitive against men, but now you'd nearly I'd nearly class her as a men's player. Like, you'd take her, take her anywhere against the top-level men, and I reckon she'd do a job for you. Katie, on the other hand, like, when she came over, she was, she was just a kid, and to see where she's got to, like, I think she made the, she made the Aussie squad list this year, she's she's played women's nationals from New South Wales, and for her to do a job in that competition as well, like I mean, I know she was sitting on some good horsepower, but yeah, she went to a whole different level as well. And I think it was a really good eight weeks for her. She got to play a fair bit of one the first few weekends, and and I played behind her, and yeah, she's really good to play with. And then she bumped back to two and and didn't let us down one bit. Yeah, she was unreal. So what's her style of play? Jimmy, is she vocal or is she quiet? Nah, you wouldn't say she's not too vocal in between me and Dave. Oh, anyway, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. No, she's very good at she's a two a lot like Charlie. She finds a way to get me and Dave space and the amount of time she actually can get in between the one and the three, as in my three, and open up space for you, which I was pedaling a little bit up there, so it was good to get a bit of space like that. But the biggest thing was the first weekend. It was probably our first proper taste of men's like Dan, Silly and Blake was a very solid men's chucker and just the pace of the game. She probably, talking to her, felt that she probably 
felt a bit like just was a couple of seconds after the play around the lineup and stuff. And then the way she sort of from that game went into the next weekend and by the night game at work, she'd sort of found the pace of the, the game against Gold Coast under lights. And then like a little bit like Marty, she found a couple of balls and then away she went. And yeah, she really stepped up for us at Warwick. It was probably more the difference in, in Katie from the set for the Cunningham weekend to Warwick. Juan Darwin was the difference in our chuck of performing really when, when she found the pace of the game and really locked herself into playing a hard men's too. I've played there at work and I can just imagine the it's got to be a little bit of a shocker to be playing under the lights and thinking about Marty and how do they handle their nerves? Oh yeah. Marty loves, loves a big show. <laughs> <laughs> Marty boy is like a deer in the headlights. I think he didn't know what was going on. He played under lights once before in a sub junior comp. He said so. Um, when it all ended, I mean, you were the only team from outside Queensland that was stuck there. I'm sure there were some other teams that were wishing they could be there as well to play against you. But when it was all said and done, what were you most proud of? Something about your game or the team or, or a moment? Like, what was your proudest moment? It's hard to, hard to probably, probably your proudest moment is just the fact that, and that's the best part about this team is we're, we're like a family. Just for these guys to be able to dedicate the time to come up and, and to have a crack at those three, especially those three bigger weekends. And, I mean, we're always going to be proud if, if yeah, whatever we achieve. But to, to bring home that cup with the team that we had, that's, yeah, that's a that's a massively proud moment for me. Like, everyone just lifted and, and did their job for each other and, and it just shows what can happen if if you've got that attitude, I suppose. So Very similar, just... The team we had against four solid, so not four, um, six solid men on six solid horses. But just the fact that the, how the whole weekend went, like the Warwick game, obviously we had to find a bit of bit of swagger again after like coming getting rolled from being out in front by so far, and then horse after horse went down, and we just had to find a way to win. And it sticks in the back of the brain from 2017 when we got rolled by a goal. It was sort of the other way. We sort of we come from six behind, and I feel like we copped a bad call late in the game there, and they got a free one late, and so that sort of one got away there. So sort of three or four years of really wanting to get your name on that cup, and that's why I think the Queensland State titles actually mean so much. Is you you got that big cup there, and all the history behind it, and the leading, and all the stuff, and everyone gets around it, and like going through the cup on the. On the oh, I had a few too many to drink, but just straight after we got the cup, obviously. So we went through the whole list and um, we found only, I think we worked out that the, it was the first team ever to win with two girls in it. And um, and Marty was one of the youngest boys and the second New South Wales team to ever win the, win the titles up there. So going through all that stuff and seeing the other names on the trophy was, yeah, pretty good, I thought. So when you get to the top here, I'm just curious if you could come up with between the two of you come up with a list of the top three opponents that you had throughout this five or six weeks if you had to pick three players uh who who would you say i'm not saying they were intimidating in any way but at least the best competition that you could have had so give me the three give me your your three maybe they're the same three or maybe they're different yeah well obviously obviously for me we played tansy in those three big weekends so it'd be pretty hard to say to go past um blake wells is probably the toughest bloke that I had at the back and I thought like 
yeah, I've played with Jim a lot and I've seen him, travelled over the world with him and, and seen people mark him, but I thought Blake was right up there with, with slowing Jim's scoring as much as I've seen anyone for a long time. He was a good competitor. Oh, obviously, you can't take it away from the three and that other chucker either. Tom um, or Trent, Tom and Justin, they, they were very good as well. I mean, that Tansy outfits class, but I don't know. It'd be hard to define it. Russell Owens is very slick at the back as well. For me, Jimmy. Um, yeah, I'd probably the ones I play against. Sort of your two ones where I'd reckon Darcy and Dan. Like they're pretty switched on, slick young fellas that have got a lot of similar plans to to how I want to play as well. So it's really about really having a good matchup, and you've got to be quicker, otherwise those young boys have got you at the back. Of, yeah, Blake definitely Blake. Um, I don't know much about. As, as in what's going on in the back of the lineup, but definitely as a markup, he sits in a good spot to really slow your goals down, which, um, which yeah, can be, can be a bit frustrating when he's trying to put him in quickly. But, um, yeah. Um, and then the other one was probably, for me, Mick Grills actually played pretty well the whole time up there. We had some good battles, Mick Grills and Dave and I. All right, next list. Sorry, I just need one more list. Okay. So between the two of you, six players that weren't there, the all-star, the dream team that you would want to play against, that if you beat them, then there's nothing else ever again. Uh, inside, you know, so I'm thinking of Aussies outside of your competition. Who, what six players? So each of you pick three that you So would just Aussies? Yeah, just Aussies. Yeah, you go, Dave. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm going to go with Robbie Sibley. Lance Anderson and Will Weston. Go ahead, Jimmy. Do you have any the same? Um, just come probably up go. Who'd you go? Lance, Will, and Sibley. So I'll go. I'll go. Abbott, Troy, Henry, Sully. Sully. Because oh, Sully's yeah. in the bedroom right there listening. So we better make sure we get him on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty famous on the podcast too. Um, <laughs> when I went to WA in 2010, my very first game reached down to pick up the ball and Sibbo drove his horse into my shoulder so I could barely pick it up but yeah so I met I met his horse's shoulder uh, very intimately but yeah I, um, so that's the one player from WA and the rest are from New South that's a pretty good team so what are you looking forward to obviously the, the sales coming up in January but what else is coming that you're excited about uh, we're just about to do start doing a few camp drafts as well I, over here it's probably just refreshing not to have to trot horses down the road. And I think Jimmy and and the crew stayed for two weeks after the state champ. It was good to run in the 14 or so young ones and start seeing what horse flesh we got coming along too. So it'll be, it's just nice to, to get through all them and, and take them to a few camp drafts and, and just do something different for a while. Yeah. So are you building some up for the sale to bring down? Yeah, we've got three sale nominations this year between – Boz and I, yeah, I'd say I'll take some Berrigan ones for Sarah and and have them ready to go as well. But yeah, we'll have three of our own nominations and and a and a team to play there as well again. So they'll they'll do they'll do both the camp draft and the polo cross. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and, and the and hopefully maybe putting in a little one on one as well and open camp draft to run in in beside the um the incentive camp draft. So you're gonna have the regular polo cross comp, the one on one comp. In the camp draft and then the sale yeah. on the Sunday. Yeah, what are the dates for that? Seventh, eighth, and ninth. I think that's um, a guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> yeah, don't give any wrong information. Uh, Sarah won't be happy. But what are you expecting this year compared to last year at the sale? Or what's going to be? Uh, we're actually we're trying to push our numbers up to around uh, like a hundred horses in the sale. The open camp drafts obviously to bring a few more outside people in and have a look at what's going on. And um, we haven't got it through or anything about the one-on-one yet, so we still have to go through all those channels. But um, we also want to remind, make sure we stuck strong and it's a polo cross sale. So if we had two drafts, we wanted to have two polo cross events for people to have fights at the cherry from the incentive. So that's sort of what we're planning at the moment. And, yeah, for sort of... I think we're trying to get it set up a new ring. So we've got the polo cross field and the camp draft and then a sale ring all set up in there. So everything runs a bit smoother. Isn't it true that your prize money has grown this year? Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely growing. We took 3% last year to make a prize pool bigger for this year. So we're just going to keep trying to grow that each year. Have you been talking about any other horses that might beat last year's big number for Hayden? Hayden's 45. <laughs> no, so that's what we might chuck the cash in there. <laughs> um, we'll break in the horses in the next couple of um, next couple of weeks. Hopefully, if Dave can get over the border, and then that's when all that stuff starts to pan out. Like at the moment, we've got we've got sort of 15 in work to just see where all they're up to, and then probably pull a couple out of that. But no, it's been good. Also, having Sully here to test a few out, just like having Dave on those sort of guys. <laughs> your top level players seeing what they think of a few of the horses and yeah so once once we go through all those press so processes over the next couple of months we'll nut out what's going in but um yeah we'll try and have a few big fish there but we've got to keep ourselves um horsed enough uh, out of the older ones to take down to Ballarat hate to bring this up but there's this thing called COVID and <laughs> last year you had a scare you actually lost one of the teams is there anything you can do to prepare for that or is it just everyone down there early or yeah no there's a few jokes going on we just run the sale in dolby <laughs> get it up there but um that'd suit me it'll just depend i guess i guess we can push the sale back i guess that's the only thing we really could do or do it online but that'll hurt the incentive side of it that yeah yeah i think the biggest dolby joking around was, and that was the other good thing about davos is there's so much pile across people around that area like would turn up on Friday nights and would have 16 different polar cross people show up every day of the week wouldn't we do very uncommon if you're sitting in the shed after finishing horses having a beer and there's not a handful of polar cross people rock up there's probably at least 20 that live within 15 minutes of home so yeah it's a good vibe up here for polar cross do you have like a group text messaging whatsapp thing going on where Legit, you tell one person, so I'll say something to Johnson who lives about two kilometres up the road and then next minute there's 16 people here for a practice day. It's pretty cool. Which beverage company makes the most on these knockups? Would it be Triple X, Bundy? Yeah, well, the Carlton Dry and Tui's New get a fair, fair crack here for beer drinking and then, yeah, Dad's a whiskey drinker and, and we drink the Bundy, so... All of, them. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. So obviously Ballarat's coming up nationals March. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's what you're all looking forward to. When are selections coming up for that? Or has it already been done? Well, actually, did you get your email, Dada? Yeah. It said something <laughs> scored, so I'm not sure it must be coming up. <laughs> oh, so it's pretty secretive at the moment. Yeah, we just I don't know about it. Secretive. <laughs> um, 
they've just sent out an email to say that it's that I don't know our names up when we're in the squad to be selected. They just haven't put the teams together, so I'm I'm sure they'll be out shortly. Now they've now they've done that. Yeah, Davo, you're playing for New South. Ah, yes, correct. And yeah. Boz will be playing for Queensland. No, nah, he's he's New South oh. as well. Yeah, sorry, Queensland. Sorry for your luck. Oh, this is great to catch up about this. You know, it's quite a story. Themes are the horse flesh that you've had. You know, you started off with a ton and even through some adversity, you, you came out on top in the last weekend, even with some some challenges with the horses. Players seemed like they all stepped up to the plate, Marty and Katie, and that, yeah, you got to create that video at the end. We are the champions. That's a pretty cool video. Uh, <laughs> you, you did celebrate for two weeks, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's an understatement we had quite a few after parties for that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'd set up we obviously when if we got the job done we had the the, Friday, the Sunday night with the Wandaan fellas and then we'd set up the after party if we got the job done at Davos we probably would have had a quiet one if we if we hadn't got the job done but we had on the Monday afternoon we made punch in the cup and had a party at Rusty's and then yeah, and then off to the Gold Coast that next weekend, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, no, we lived it up for a couple of weeks, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm curious, Jimmy, do you create punishments for yourself when you're not when you lose? Yeah, I practice a bit more. <laughs> the practice we did between Cunningham and Warwick was completely different to all the other practices of six weeks me and Dave over there. Mm. Like, yeah, so that's probably more. Not, we don't really punish ourselves, but yeah, yeah. I've learned to accept accept you lost us a bit better lately. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I mean, good luck with COVID. And here in the states, we did a terrible job managing COVID with cases, and then we were the first to get the vaccine, and we did pretty well with that. There's still some people refusing to get it, but we didn't. We never shut down the borders or anything. It's every state. It's state by state, and it's like a live free or die type of. You know, attitude in the states. You guys tend to have a little bit of a different government philosophy. Are you kind of frustrated with what the government's been doing? I know that there were some protests going on. You feel like there's too much lockdown going on? Oh, I feel like, yeah, I feel like if they're going to leave us locked down for this long, like we've we've had our double vaccinations now. I think there should be a few rules starting to open up for people that have had it and um, and have got good and fair reason. Like it is a part as much as. I love going down to help these guys break in. It is a part of part of the business too. Um, obviously, you've got horses there and that. So just trying to find a way to to get it done without getting locked up for two weeks in a motel is pretty tough. So it'd be good if they would loosen a few things like that. But all in all, yeah, Australia's managed it quite well. I mean, it is it is a virus that kills people. So I mean, I'm not going to disagree with what they've done. But yeah, it'd be good if they'd loosen it up a bit now for, for the business side of things, so that biz- people can do what they need to do to make make a living yeah exactly yeah you have a similar opinion jimmy yeah definitely yeah (laughs) you just got to roll with the punches these days they lock it down and open it up so quickly like even from a football term our boys were training for about seven weeks before they could actually they called the season off and they didn't play a game in seven weeks so it's so up in the air all the time i just i think everyone's starting to get a bit more used to it but i think everyone's sick of it as well so hopefully um I think they just opened up international travel for Australia in maybe December. I'm not sure. As long as you double vaccine and you can quarantine at home for a week. So I think that'll help a fair bit. 
we're trying to pull off a high goal next year. So just uh, pray for us on that, trying to get the sponsorship money and all that. But being able to have international players over here would be huge. I went over to, to Africa and I had a tremendous time. No one else really traveled this year except for me, but uh, it, it paid huge dividends. So being able to get, get across the borders, get you over here when you can, it would be phenomenal. So I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for um, suggesting this, Jimmy. And thanks for sharing you know, your experiences. Uh, definitely nice to meet you, uh, Russell. And, yep. Thanks, Ron. And, uh, and Davo. Yeah, no, it's... We tried to set one up a while ago, but yeah, thanks for finally getting me on here. I was super nervous about doing it. So, <laughs> well, now you're now you're you should relax a little bit. I mean, if it was later in the day, you could have had some drinks in you, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll do this again for sure. We'll have a good weekend. Good luck on everything. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Too easy. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ron. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. Dominance is the key theme here throughout their time leading up to the Queensland State titles. You can learn how the best deal with adversity and pick up pointers on what makes a successful team. Hope you enjoyed that. Cheers to them. Here on Chugga Talk, we appreciate your feedback. Have you enjoyed the show? Do you have questions or comments? Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. For a chance to be featured on the show, leave a voicemail by finding the Send Voicemail Sidebar button on PolacrossMadeSimple.com. For more Polacross coaching, go to PolacrossMadeSimple.com. You'll find ebooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a good one.